0: this episode of the adventure jogger podcast brought to you by <sighs> Chili billy clem still says hey duck to every duck i see i told you i'd read whatever you put in there uh, <laughs> megan fitzgerald mcgowan rick albanese reuben pool ali gregory and all of our patreon supporters and of course you that's right i'm talking to you the listener wow. The Adventure Jogger, a podcast about trail and ultra running. Meet fascinating runners from the front, middle, and back of the pack, sharing inspiring and funny stories about life and running. Running should be fun, and so should running podcasts. I'm your host, Ryan Pluckelman, and this is The Adventure Jogger. Alyssa Clark, welcome to The Adventure Jogger.
1: Happy to be here. Thanks for
0: having me. You are the second guest that I have had on the podcast that is actually recording from a van down by a river. This is the second time this has happened.
1: (laughs) Okay, funniest thing. I did not, had not seen that video until maybe a week ago and my husband showed it to me and he's like, we are these people.
0: I was like, oh my gosh, we're these people. Uh oh. (laughs) No, it's so funny because when that SNL skit came out, like living in a van down by the river was a negative thing right like that was yes. the whole point of that was you don't want to be living in a van down by the river living off of government cheese and so we fast forward oh god 20 30 years from now the american dream for so many of us is living in a van down by the river that's such a good point.
1: I mean, so I'll say for us, it, two things. First, we actually live in a van on a mountain, so that's kind of nice. <laughs> that's a that's a plus. And then the other thing is, it's so funny. So my um, brother and sister in law, and my sister and my brother, all are buying houses or trying to buy houses, having kids, all of this. And I, my husband and I. Used to live in an apartment, a nice apartment, yeah. and you know had normal life. And we've slowly reversed. We now are these uh, <laughs> van living. We have two cats that live in here. You know, just bums. So you know, we're really we're in the right direction.
0: How was that transition? Well, by the way, this is a running podcast, folks. If you're tuning in for the first time, this is not a van life <laughs> podcast. But I've always been curious um, what the transition is like to go from living in an apartment to moving into a van like how was that transition for you
1: yeah that's a great question so first of all i think i should caveat that we're not just van life go anywhere we want to my husband's actually in the navy and so we are kind of anchored to a spot Mm -hmm. um and we have a huge advantage that we get storage through the navy so they come they move everything they pack it up they put it in storage and they keep it for free we're not sure if it's six months or a year something <laughs> like that and then it's like super low cost so we have a huge advantage over most people where it's like we can go back to living an apartment life anytime we want to um, but we actually had been doing it so we started with the giant tent and then we went to a teardrop then to a truck camper and now to a van and we were um basically weekend warriors with all of that um until february when we moved the van and really it's just you you learn a lot about conservation of resources Mm -hmm. because you realize like oh my gosh there's not just you know an unlimited amount of water there's not an unlimited amount of energy there's not an unlimited amount of storage and it really teaches you how to be a lot more conscientious of those facts um, which I've really loved. I mean, for the most part, my husband and I get along really well. We,
0: we, <laughs> for the most yeah. part. I love that caveat. Yeah, I, for the most part, we get along no. really well. So let's move in, into a small van together and see how that plays out.
1: Yeah, no, we were, he's my number one adventure partner because we do a lot of mountain sports and which mm. require partners. So um, I think we're really lucky in that regard that The two of us get along really well and are doing most all of our adventures together anyway. Um, But yeah, it really teaches you just how to move in space and that you just don't need as much as you think. Mm -hmm. And that even like I reduce so much clothing and I still don't wear all the clothing that I have or do I need it all?
0: you're so right we have we all have so much stuff and i'm pointing fingers at myself folks look at me i'm pointing fingers at myself we have so much that we don't eat the other day i was trying to to pack i have two full drawers in a rather large size dresser in my bedroom of just running clothes just race shirts just shorts i have to put the socks in another drawer i can't close it anymore i broke the dresser trying to close the drawer and i only ever really only wear four pairs of shorts and five shirts like the rest of them are just taking up space
1: yeah it's it's insane and yeah now i'm at the point now where someone will give me a shirt or um, my in-laws were trying to buy me a birthday present i was like really Like, you're doing me a favor, not buying me something.
0: (laughs) You may be the only person that really wants people to just donate to charity in your name. Like, please, just give money to the human fund. That's all I really need.
1: (laughs) Exactly. No, it's been really amazing. I think um, it's so convenient because, I mean, we can go anywhere on the weekends and you just have your house right there. It's like you're ready to go.
0: Now you are not living in a four, a twenty year old sprinter no. with 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 free kittens on the side. It's a it looks like a rather nice like van.
1: Yeah, yeah. We um, uh, it's basically like a custom build that we didn't get customized so there's a company that does um van builds and they have a couple different models but they do a custom build on we have a ram pro master yeah so i mean we're not we're not living dirt bag life like we got a shower um we have a cassette toilet you know we have a microwave we for our fifth anniversary got each other a a toaster air fryer bougie oven thing yeah. Um, so yeah, it's not, it is not the Volkswagen roughing it, uh, for sure. And we have an AC, yeah.
0: And you can park near a middle school and no one's going to call the police.
1: It's white, so. (laughs) Maybe not. (laughs) (laughs) Except then, well, for good or for bad, you see the little cat's faces peek out and you're
0: like, what's going on in there <laughs> it's like oh my god that's a van that actually has kittens in it
1: <laughs> yeah they're uh they're quite uh well their names are michael scott and dwight Schrute, so that kind of adds to very nice adds
0: to it all. Um, yeah. if you get another cat will that cat be named robert california
1: Oh man, I hope so. Pretty much any animal that we find, we just name a version of the office. Like we have a bunny that lives outside that's Aaron, raccoon named Kevin, a fox (laughs) named Jim. Like
0: (laughs) I love it. I absolutely love it. That that's cool. I'm glad it works for you. And I think it for, for what your passion is. And your passion seems to be, at least according to your ultra sign-up, I mean, it could just be you're forced to do these things and you hate them. Your passion seems to be running in the mountains. And so it does, it does really play well to that. You can go hit different trailheads or, or whatever. And so it does seem like you're kind of living your best life right now.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, It's um, it's one of those things that... I think I've manifested for a long time and with the military, you kind of never know what's going to happen. Um, but yeah, we've kind of been able to merge things to the point where my husband loves his job. I love what I do and it's working out really well. And it's given me the space, the time, um, to really commit to running and, um, commit to kind of that, that lifestyle. Yeah. And it makes such a huge difference. I used to be a high school teacher and just the level of stress. I'm now a, i am now I coach for uphill athlete yeah. and then run. And so, and that's just like, oh my gosh, what a difference in, in how you can use your energy throughout the day where it's like, oh my gosh, I'm ruining children's education every day versus like, oh yeah, I get to help someone have fun, you know? the training is really the fun part of their day and then go and have fun on my own.
0: Well, it kind of plays into each other too. I mean, teaching and coaching are two really similar professions. You're helping people to achieve something that maybe they don't believe they can achieve, but because you've got a a set of knowledge and a set of skills, you can help them achieve big goals.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. It so much comes down to communication. Um, expectations. And really, I think the most beautiful thing about coaching is that when someone comes to you with a big goal, it's often the goal that maybe they've had since childhood. Mm -hmm. Maybe they've never uh, acknowledged or said out loud to anyone before. And they're putting their vulnerability and their trust into you. And that's such a gift. And getting to help them achieve perhaps that childhood goal, that goal they're too scared to tell Even maybe their closest family members because they are afraid they might get laughed at or told, you're crazy, that's not possible, that's too dangerous. And I get to be like, cool, that's freaking awesome. How do I help you get there?
0: Yeah, because you really are. I mean, there's got to be pressure in that, though. You have to, like, think that someone is giving you, they're being very vulnerable with you, and they are saying to you, like, listen, I have never told anyone this, but I want to run 100 miles in the mountains I want to tackle the 200 mile distance I want to you know do my first 50k my first 50 miler I think sometimes when you have a couple of buckles you we can forget how big of a step it is to even just do any ultra marathon uh, be it a 50k or whatever and I think you know I always have to tell my wife because my wife will she runs she doesn't run ultras but she runs she always goes oh I only ran 4 miles today I'm like don't never say only you ran 4 miles today. I mean that is worth celebration. Not everyone's a lunatic that has to run all night and all day. You can enjoy the sport. Never say only, but is there, there's got to be a pressure in that. Is it almost is it more or less pressure helping someone achieve their dreams rather than helping someone pass a math test? Like what is when it comes to teaching and coaching? Do they each have their own weights of pressure? Yeah, they do.
1: But I think it's different in a way. I felt a lot more pressure teaching because I think that with high school kids, you have such a an impact. Like you remember your worst high school teacher. Mm -hmm. You like everyone's like you remember your worst, and you remember your best, and you remember the ones that helped you reach your goals that cared about you that you know we're all in and i think with coaching it's more that you're investing in the journey i yeah. mean truly it's like yes i would love every client to finish the race to get the place when they want to climb everest but i think that the biggest thing i can teach them is that that's actually the least important part of the whole goal and i think the interesting part about goals is that sometimes they aren't the thing that we expect them to be. So while standing on the top of Everest is perhaps the dream that got you to the place of training really well, of being really consistent with your nutrition, actually that dream doesn't matter as much as the person that you've become along the way. And I've had that conversation with a couple of people of being like, oh yeah, I've always dreamed of standing on this mountain. And then you know, life happened. I did these other things. And I say, well, does that dream still suit you? Or was it the dream that needed you to get to where you are right now? And maybe you can let that go. And maybe doing that dream actually is far less important than what it helped you accomplish and gain along the way.
0: So training is almost, it's not the destination. And we always think yeah. it's the destination. Like I'm training for X. I want to run you know sub 24 or whatever the goal is we we think of it from a destination standpoint but we often forget about the the journey it's it, it the person you that the training will make you the person you need to become to do these big things
1: and and that's actually what i think most of us want is that yes standing on that mountain or finishing that race is beautiful in the however idiotic you are it takes to do that. You know, it could be four days, it could be ten hours, you know, whatever it is. Um I joke about that just yeah. I really like long stuff. So I'm like, yeah. Yeah, I have to be the, the idiot that runs for the longest right. possible time. Um but actually I think it's really that we are excited about the person we will become by being in the position of maybe achieving that.
0: Right. And I think seeing the person like the the person to to start everyone starts somewhere right and to just see what you can achieve to see what you can put your body through to get ready for it i think so so often we don't see the changes in us because we're with us 24 7 365 right and so it's easy to almost get a little discouraged because you don't see that progress because you're living that progress every moment and it's hard to see change when you're living in that change, and I'm sure as a coach, that's when you can come in and say, "Oh, hold on here. Look at this. Look at this training time. You've let, remember two months ago you ran a similar workout, and look at the time difference."
1: Absolutely, yeah. And we have to. So our training is really um, based in zone one and zone two, and mm-hmm. that can be really frustrating to people, especially yes. yeah, <laughs> coming from. Um, generations of CrossFit of you know sprint as hard as you can if it's if you're not uh, throwing up at the end of the workout it wasn't a good workout or doubled over in pain and and we're all about just steady progress because that's how you're going to tra- accomplish your goals and who so I think like half my job is convincing people that <laughs> they're going to see that progress it's just not going to you're not going to realize it until potentially months later when someone says oh my gosh you're doing that so much better like you ran that section you'd never run before with ease and your heart rate stayed the same or you know any number of things you're like oh cool it worked yeah it worked <laughs> it's literally i mean truthfully that's so much of how i feel about my like where i'm at now and with my running is i spent years and years and years of being like i i'm like pretty sure i can do that like i think i can do this i think if i keep putting my head down and putting the time in and i turn 30 because then i won't be a dumb 20 year old um (laughs) i can i can get there and it's it's and then it's like oh cool i wasn't crazy like maybe this is working okay nice like that's fun
0: because you really did put it together at some point i mean you you can tell that at some point, Alyssa, you made all the pieces of the puzzle fit because you started winning races. You started winning big races. I mean, I look at in 2021, you run, you, you won the U-ray 100, and then in 2022, you win the Moab 240, and then this year, you won Hurt, and you won the Canyons. At some point for you, it all came together, and that has to play in well with the coaching too. I mean, we all have moments of imposter syndrome, but I would think for you as a coach, having all those Ws is like, you know what? Old coach may have some <laughs> some knowledge here that she could talk about.
1: Yeah, you know, I I truly think it's funny cuz the the moment I real I realized what I was doing is that When you give yourself an out of really committing, when Mm -hmm. you just kind of keep one foot out the door and you go, well, maybe I could be this good. But, you know, if I don't, if I don't like really commit, then I'll never have to apologize and, you know, say like, oh, I failed really badly and I failed really badly. But, um, you know, it just took kind of some time. I actually, it was when I got, I was supposed to do TDS and got COVID. Um, while I was in Chamonix. And so I ended up just going on these long hikes. And it was like I was going through therapy through with myself, because I was just realizing, like, I've never believed in myself fully. I've never said, I've never fully bet on myself. I've never fully said, I'm all in. And that was not too long before Moab. And then I just went, if I never really believe in myself, no one else is ever going to. And I just made the decision that if I fail that happens, but I'm never going to be as good as I can be. If I keep trying to hedge my bets and keep like halfway trying in a way. And so that there was kind of this realization of like, I've got to let go of thinking that I'm always going to be a failure. I'm I've got to embrace the fact that I've worked really hard. I, try my best, and I'm going to believe that I'm capable of doing this. I don't know what this always is. I mean, maybe it's win a race, maybe it's not, but it's like, I'm going to try my darnness to be the best I can be. And it's weird to say that it, it's like as easy as that because it's not, and right. it took years and years, but it truly was this one time period where I was like, whoa, I've been not being very nice, like not giving myself a chance. Like if you can't bet on yourself, who who can you bet on?
0: Yeah, you had to almost develop some swagger. You had to to really build some self-confidence. But that's, you're right. It's You said how much, it's it much more complicated than what we're talking about. But what are steps that people can do? Because I don't think you're alone. I think there's a lot of people listening to this podcast that are capable of amazing things. I think we're all capable of, of amazing things we just may not believe in ourselves what are i heard the cat meow that's the first yep, that's, no, that's yes. actually the second uh, uh what are some steps that people can take to 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 start that journey because again it is going to be a journey you are not going to believe in yourself tomorrow morning if you don't believe in yourself now you will not believe in yourself tomorrow morning it's not going to happen but what is the first step in that journey of believing in yourself
1: I think it's thinking about why you're doing it. I mean, so it's interesting because you mentioned swagger and I was a college lacrosse player. And like, you know, lacrosse players are pretty much the pinnacle of thinking they have swag and (laughs) swagger. Like (laughs) we walk around like we own the place. Um, (laughs) And, you know, that's actually, it's, it's weird. It's different than that. It's like... I in college, I would walk on the field and I would be like, I'm so much better than you are. And I don't go up to a race and think I'm so much better than these people. I just go, I want to be the best version of myself today. And I hope they're all their best versions of themselves, so we can help each other go even further. It's so it's it. I think that when i was back in college because i am i'm very competitive i always have been yeah and it used to be a really negative competitive where yeah. it was like you know it's just when you're younger it's like that that competitive element can can manifest as as like i'm better than you are right and right i don't think of competitive competitiveness like that um so i think it i guess the thing is like where does that I think the first step is where does that disbelief come from? Because once you start identifying what is the core of why I feel this way about myself, and that can get really interesting and emotional. Um, I was sobbing at times. It's like working through kind of like, where does this lack of self-belief come from? Why do I feel that way? Why am I still holding on to past versions of myself that no longer exist or are true? Right. And from that point, I then went, okay, how do I then build from there? And I realized that actually when I run my best, I run from the deepest place of joy and gratitude. And I think hopefully you can see it if you see me out on the course, it's like I am happy as a clam the whole time because I'm doing what I love. Like I get to do what I love as my job. Like that's freaking cool. And I, yeah, I have a few low moments. Um, but for the most part, I'm just like having a grand old time out there because I've worked years to be able to get to the position where I can do this as my job. And it's like, well, I'm not going to soak that up and just have a great time. Um, so that that's, that's kind of, yeah, I guess all part of it. So I think it's like finding where it comes from the disbelief, Mm -hmm. finding where the belief could stem from. Um, how you can kind of move yourself into that and then giving yourself um, I guess like catching yourself when you start doubting like when the negative tapes start coming back because exactly it's not, you're not just going to change in a second or in a day it's like okay I'm starting to go down this negative path how do I change that um, do I still believe in that myself no I don't mm-hmm. and then yeah kind of just moving from there and and realizing what you have when you have it
0: it sounds so much like mindfulness like you you've trained your mind to identify thoughts and separate the reaction to those thoughts from those thoughts and that's really what mindfulness is that's you boil it down to its simplest form mindfulness is identifying thoughts and emotions and instead of reacting to them you, you spend some time with them and try to figure out where they're coming from and, 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 and that sort of thing. And that really sounds like that's important is just taking that time. And like, where do these thoughts stem from? Why do I believe that I'm not capable of these things? Whose voice is that? And that's got to be a process. That, that's a scary road to go down. Going in your own mind can be a very scary and intimidating place to be. Oh,
1: yeah yeah i mean it's funny just in canyons i was i did not intend to be up towards the front because it was so hot i was like i'll just sit back and kind of let things go and then i was just kind of running my own race and then i kept saying why are you second guessing yourself like why can't you be up here and running comfortably and feeling good like why not and it was because i was i was battling that mindset that was like, you're not good enough. You shouldn't be up here. What are you doing? You're making a mistake with the newer mindset. That's like, Hey, maybe I I do train well. And like, maybe I'm okay to be up here. And like, maybe this is where I should be. And it was so interesting to be like, yeah, yeah. I like her. Like, I like the one that that thinks I, I should be here, but that also, um, I started working with Sean Bearden, who does Science of Ultra Running mm-hmm. podcast, um, yeah. back in end of 2019. So it's been, he's seen me through a lot. And when I used to race, because I started racing in 2015, um, right out of college, I was in an emotional disaster. I mean, you can ask my husband, like, he's seen me sob at the start of races because I was so overwhelmed by the distance. I was just, I was so unable to separate um, any emotion from I was just so in it. It's like yeah. you can see everything. Yeah. and as I've progressed, I can now, like, Sean has taught me the mindfulness piece of it, where it's like wh- I watch myself feeling these things, and so I'm able to separate, and I'm able to say, "Nope, we're not we're not going down that rabbit hole," um, or like, "Hey, this." deep exuberance that high high like we're not going down that rabbit hole either because there's a down coming on the side of you so it's like don't get too attached to any of those just stay kind of like for me it's like this neutral happy place um and that seems to have worked pretty well for me um it's also something that i bring in like you'll probably never see me unhappy in an aid station because I won't allow myself to be unhappy in an aid station. Um, I, first of all, everyone's watching you. And so that's very true report back. uh, How's, how is, uh, how are they looking? And if you're happy as a clam, having a good time, you're never going to get a negative report. And also it's like, if you go into an aid station and you're happy, everyone's going to be upbeat about it. They're going to give you energy. Um, and then also it helps you get out of the aid station faster where you're like, if you're not falling apart into an aid station, but you're coming in like prepared, happy, ready to go, you're going to get out of there like that. And that's been a huge difference in my racing is that I focus on, as I think the most time I in an aid station at hurt was maybe two and a half minutes. And I just like really focus on like, Hey, I'm coming in. I'm happy. Things are good. Take care of what I need to but I'm not falling apart into an aid station. Um, and so I mentally put on this like, Hey, I- I'm going to collect. I have two, three miles to this aid station to collect myself. I'm going to come in. Everything's going to be great. I'm going to get what I need and I'm going to get out.
0: I love so much of what you just said. I think, God, that's so good. There's something that you said a couple minutes ago that I really love and I I think this just speaks volumes, and I hope people can grab something from this. Here I am looking at, and I listed some of your accomplishments in the podcast and the races that you've won. It's fascinating to me that with your resume, with your section of the van full of trophies, your little trophy section of the van, that here you are at the Canyons 100 after all the things that you've done. Hurt is a... Hard race, hurt is no joke. Moab is no joke. Uray is no joke. You did not luck into, you know, a victory because no one else showed up and it's some race no one's ever heard of. You have the resume. You've put in the hard work. You are an accomplished ultra runner. And even with all that, There you are at Canyons going like, I don't know, can I I run in this heat? I mean, this is not where I really... Even you had to stop yourself from feeling that self-doubt even after all you've accomplished.
1: Yeah, I think it's the narrative you tell ourselves because I I put myself... I'm breaking that box open, but I put myself in a box where it's like my strengths or hurt your mm-hmm. moab if i if i can just get you to be bored and tired and i'll keep going cool <laughs> i'll probably do pretty well if i can hike really fast up this mountain and run down a technical downhill cool i can probably do that pretty well but canyons was way outside my comfort zone a fast runnable not technical hundred miler that sounds scary
0: and obviously, it turned out really well for you. You ran in 20 hours and 13 minutes. That's nothing to sneeze at in that heat. I, I was I was talking to uh, Craig Thornley, the race director of of Western States, and we were talking about just the finish rate of canyons and how yeah. with the heat, it was just so. I mean, God, was it 40 percent finish rate or something? It was really low.
1: Yeah, it was 40 percent.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because people just weren't accustomed to that heat. And that was a tough race and to run that time at that race that's nothing that's nothing to sneeze at at all now you have no excuse you can't have the self-doubt during the fast races anymore you can't be like oh well i can't do these because obviously you can it's now it's been
1: good i mean it's it, what's funny is i was oh my gosh i wasn't even supposed to do canyons um i was supposed to do istria 100k and then had a medical thing come up and i just like couldn't get it sorted before i flew out And then I was trying to figure out another thing. I did a 50K on a time loop and was like, nope, this is not for me. Loop (laughs) racing, not for me. (laughs) Um, And then I am probably the only person who went up to the registration page or the registration booth on Thursday before Av Canyons when registration opened and said, hey, can I switch from the 100K to the 100 miler? And they go, I'm sorry, what? So I was supposed to do the 100K but I really want to do the hundred miler because I love a hundred miles. And so they were like, yep, we'll switch you over. And then I wasn't on any, like, no one knew I was going, I wasn't on the free trail fantasy thing, anything like that. Um, my bib didn't have my name on it or anything like that. And, uh, then I saw the girl who was super nice, switch me over. I saw her on, I think on Sunday and she's like, you and I was like, Thanks so much for helping me. <laughs> like that was like I really appreciate it.
0: <laughs> That's so funny because people would like to even expect you, right? They're looking at yeah. ultra sign up and they're like, oh, man, this gal's running in I think I can take her, and then you show up and you run away with it. Basically, you know, Dylan Bowman was using that that, that free trails fantasy the uh, page to figure out who he needed to place money on, on FanDuel for the Canyons. Like, you messed up Dylan Bowman's Fan FanDuel account by entering that race.
1: <laughs> I did apologize to Corinne. I was like, Corinne, I'm really sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> that's,
0: that's fantastic.
1: I was like, can you apologize to Dylan for me? I'm sorry.
0: Right now, um, Dylan's looking at his FanDuel going, I lost all that. Mo- what? I lost all that on, Al- on Alyssa. How did Alyssa Clark get in that race? Oh, man. Yeah,
1: it's, uh, I know. Uh, yeah, it just, you know, it's like, but I think sometimes that's what happens mm-hmm. when you just go in and you have fun. I mean, yeah. I can tell you with Hurt, I have never had, I had fun at Hurt for 24 hours and 30 something minutes yeah like just and moab i have everyone's like how moab goes like well at mile 55 i was laying on the ground convulsing in um muscle spasms from dehydration but wow did i have a good time (laughs) like it was just so fun you know i even forget that happened um but yeah it's just like oh I, i like i love this sport i love what i do it's you know it's it's uh, you just get to learn about yourself you get to learn how to control your mind, your body you see people being the best versions Mm -hmm. of themselves like I made such a good friend who literally like he was on the plane and my friend texted him was like hey do you want to pace someone for 40 miles or 35 miles and he was like sure and now he's a good friend of mine you know that's what ultra running is about the community has always been the most important thing to me and um i just i love like the fact that you know matt i mean matt mm-hmm. drove a car or a van for me for five days setting an fkt on the Pinoti trail and like matt i'd never met matt before yeah uh, oh, no, i met him once um and he was like of course and then you know you have all these people coming out and it's just like wow this is cool
0: yeah where are you from originally by the way vermont Okay, actually. so you are yeah. you are originally from the eastern United States. Um, where where's the van parked now? We are in San Diego. Okay, so you're not too yeah. far from all of that. Is that because San Diego is where the 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 Davy base is, right?
1: Yeah, there's so much military down here. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah. So we, I grew up in Vermont, and then actually moved to Hawaii for a teaching job. For three years, met my husband out there. He was there with the military. And then we lived in Italy, um, Florida, and then now California for the last three years. And we'll be here for another three.
0: Okay. And when you when he gets out, are you guys going to st- stick around the West or are you going to go back home towards Vermont?
1: Um, he's from New Hampshire. And I have never met people whose pride for their state runs deeper than New Hampshire. Really? I, oh, yeah. I mean, I guess there's a lot of others, but I mean, he, his love of New Hampshire is, uh, pretty, pretty unparalleled. So I think we'll end up back in the white mountains, um, at some point, but we're, we're still, he's going to stay in, I think 20. So we're still a little bit away from that. Um, but you know, I just, I have always wanted to live in a bunch of different places it happens that the military kind of gives you that opportunity. Um, So, yeah, I have loved it. We have a bunch of places to go. And um, it's been a really fun journey. And I think the beautiful part of running is that you get to take that wherever you go. Mm -hmm. And with the military, there's often a lot of career changes, a lot of, like, you know, leave leave your friends. Luckily yeah. with the military, you kind of start moving with the same people. Right. And, you know, running's... I always say <laughs> running's the friend that's always come with me. And it's been the constant in my life, I mean, besides my family, that I get to bring along the way. And every place has had its beautiful moments and trails and memories, even Florida, and... um yeah, it's been it's been awesome. Where where
0: are you based? Uh, just north of Nashville in Clarksville. So I, I live uh, nice. okay. outside of Fort Campbell, which is uh, which is an okay. army base. And so I have this very unique um, world where I am the civilian and the always been a civilian, the civilian from a non military family, and all my friends are either retired military, got out early, or are in the service. And so I'm like this anomaly like the like the the weirdo you
1: so you're the unicorn and you're the person they all talk to their parents and families and members about and say look i have a normal friend (laughs) you're the normal you're the unicorn normal friend yeah because because before we got married i was that to people even though i was a girlfriend i was i was that to my military friends then I got married and it's like, no, nah, I'm just a military spouse.
0: Right. You're, you're, yeah. you're no longer the unicorn. You're the, I'm the unicorn. I feel good. You know what? I'm going to tell my friends that. You better appreciate me. I'm the, mili- I'm the unicorn in this whole situation. <laughs> I love that. Where has been your favorite place to live? Of all the places you've parked the van, what has been your favorite?
1: Well, we didn't have the van yet, but we both love Italy the most. Um, I've heard great
0: things about Italy.
1: Yeah, we would move back there in a heartbeat. Um, We just loved it. That's where our two cats are from. They were both just five-week-old strays. Um, So they go meow, and they have Italian passports. Um, They do eat pasta, and... (laughs) love some good uh italian sausage (laughs) (laughs) um yeah we would you know if if uh the military was like hey do you want to go back there for the next 10 years we'd be like done we'll go back
0: did you live so good oh yeah did you live off base when you when you were in italy
1: we were on base for a year um not by choice they just have to fulfill a certain number and then we were off base in this small mountain town um not far from the amalfi coast and just awesome yeah i had a friend we were down in yeah yeah.
0: i had a friend that was stationed in italy for three years and they lived off base and they said it was i mean they're living in a house that was built in the 1700s you know (laughs) like like it just yeah go ahead
1: oh no i was just gonna say it's so funny the progression um we kind of did the opposite of like the i was saying like with the the camper we went from big tent and you know increased and with uh italy we had this like four-story townhouse with a yard and like a a mother-in-law apartment and like marble floors and a garage and like all this space to yeah now we live in a I don't even know the square footage of a van. But yeah, we really have <laughs> continuously downsized and managed our expectations from that. If I had um, to you guess. Know, for like, yeah.
0: like $1,800 a month. Right. If I had to guess, just knowing your van, I'm going to say it's probably 40 square feet, 40 or 50 square feet. Maybe, depending on how long it is. No, maybe more than that. It could be 100 square feet if it's a longer van.
1: Yeah, it's a long van. I would say probably a hundred. I would say it's like like a not disappointing dorm room. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, you know, if you walked in as a
0: freshman, you're like, yeah, I can make this work. Yeah. Why not? yeah. <laughs> writings and writings. I love that. A non-disappointing dorm room. You are living in the American dream for so many people <laughs> and you describe it as a non-disappointing dorm room. I, I absolutely love that. What else I love is running from a place of joy. And you talked about that so wonderfully. And I, I tend to run from a place of self-doubt and fear. And I would love nothing more than to be able to run from a sense of joy. I know a guy, a good friend of mine, the other member or the other guest who has done an episode from a van is my friend Kyle Curtin. And he runs from... Yeah, a-
1: Kyle's awesome. Don't you know yeah. Kyle? yeah very cool he did Tour de job the year that i did it
0: Yeah, yeah yeah he's he's your complete opposite other than living in a van he runs from a sense of anger like he is mad when he runs like really mad like almost unbearable to be around but you know that's just how he runs he runs from a place of he's upset and you're like okay i know whatever he says to me at a race he doesn't mean but you're the complete opposite. And I don't think I can run from a sense of, of anger because I'm generally not an angry person. Um, but I love that. I love that running from a sense of joy. And you can kind of see it when you talk about the sport and everything. And that fuel, using that fuel of joy um, it really has done wonders for you. And I'm sure that's something that you try to instill in your, your clients as well. Like How do you, how do you coach running from joy or do you just kind of save people's motivations for themselves and you kind of give them the tools to use those motivations?
1: Yeah. You know, that's a great question. I think there are some times where I can kind of identify where people's motivations are coming from something. I don't think is sustainable. Yeah. Um, and that's where I'll kind of try to be like, okay, let's dig a little bit deeper. Let's kind of like, let's unpack that. Um, because there are times where you're like, oh, it's really hard to run from, um, trying to like crush your weaknesses, for right. example, like, Right. it's not like, okay, I don't know if that's the best place and it's not, I won't necessarily, well, it depends on my relationship with them. Some of them will be like, let's not do that. Let's, <laughs> let's right. figure out a more sustainable way. I think of it as like unsustainable, um, motivation, sustainable motivation. And I actually don't even, I actually really hate. Uh, the word motivation, because I think motivation is mm-hmm. a very fleeting um, thing. I think that determination, um, dedication, mm-hmm. and consistency mm-hmm. are actually the things that I strive to have my athletes um, work for. I actually, the what I when I see someone write, "I'm really motivated to to do these workouts," I'm like, ah. Crap. (laughs) Crap, Last law. Like, I actually am always like, oh no. Because I know that, or like, I once had a student say, I can't turn my work in because I wasn't motivated. And I almost lost it. I was like, I could care less about your motivation. Um, so I think that <laughs> that was really probably the <laughs> nail in the coffin of my feelings about motivation. And, and it is, it's an important emotion. I just think that it's a less realistic emotion mm-hmm. um, or a less sustainable, we'll yeah. say. Um, yeah, you know, I think um, when I first started, I was running from a fear of confinement. Um, I was really sick as a child and spent a lot of time in the hospital and I spent a lot of time staring at mountains, wishing that I was out there um, and kind of losing the ability to um, even like walk on my own. I had a really serious case of ulcerative colitis. Um, I had my colon removed when I was 14. Holy cow. Yeah, (laughs) through emergency surgery um, and then had another surgery. And so Um, I was so I was so confined. I was so afraid um, that actually, when I first started running distance, it was more of a a, a trying to prove myself and trying to overcome what had happened to me. And again, it wasn't a really sustainable way to to run because it's like I was trying to prove to myself that I wasn't sick, that I wasn't the person in the hospital bed that um, I could overcome anything. Um, that I could outrun who I used to be. Yeah. And that that sustained me to the point where I realized that that wasn't going to be enough and that actually now I run because it's freedom, because it's joy, because it's what I love doing. It's, I think, in many ways, when I'm one of the best versions of myself. Um, but that took a big process and it took a lot of work um, letting go of that fear, of that confinement, of of that um, that unsustainability of emotion behind it.
0: That is so amazing, and that's not something that I'm sure you sat down for five minutes and said, "Where's this coming from?" Oh, it's coming from confinement. What? Like, when did you put the pieces together that that this childhood trauma? That you had had this illness, this you know, this this you almost had, you know, walking was hard for you. You, you wanted to look at all those mountains. You are like, I I'd love to to run there, but I I know I can't because I'm sick. When did it hit? Finally, hit you that that was one of the causes of your self doubt.
1: You know, I think it was. <laughs> I kind of put it together when I moved to Hawaii um, because I moved. I was kind of determined to move pretty far away. Yeah. I mean, I just really wanted out. I've always hated sitting still. I hate kind of being stuck. Um, and so I was really determined to live quite differently than most of my peers. I didn't want to be working a corporate job. I didn't want to be in Boston or New York up there are not amazing cities. Right. It's just like, I need to get out. Yeah, And I realized it was like, okay I'm now translating this into like okay is 50 kilometers enough to prove I'm not sick anymore is 100k enough to prove I'm not sick anymore is 100 miles and I think I I I don't know if I exactly realized the moment but it was probably I mean my mom's helped me a lot with it because she was really with me through seeing me sick and it was just kind of one day where I was like oh confinement like I hate, like that's the word. Like that's what I'm so afraid of, because um, I'm so afraid that I'll have to be stuck. And think you know that has its pluses and minuses because it. You have to be like I've never. I don't think I'll ever be content. That's just not something I see for myself. And yeah. I'm fine with that. I'd say most people, um, kind of, like a lot of people are like, oh yeah, it's just you know it is what it is. Um, but it also when you're constantly trying to outrun confinement, you're not always very happy and you're also running away. Oh, you're running away from something. Right. Yeah. And so I I actually spent a lot of time. I had this um, I, one of my coaches in high school say to me, it's like um, when you have a traumatic experience, you can run away from it. You can let it be your identity. So it's running in front of you mm-hmm. or you can run beside it or you can run with it. And I think it took a long time to be able to run with it. And now I see it as this beautiful gift I was given because I, I actually Nikki Kimball was my first coach and she she came in second the year that I came in third, which is my first hundred miler at Hurt uh, back in 2017. And we were talking and she was, I started mentioning the colitis thing and she deals with depression and she's like, oh yeah, a lot of ultra runners have, not everyone, but a lot of them, it's like nothing is as dark as the darkest moment of your life and nothing can compare it. It's like nothing in an ultra is ever as hard as what um, I went through when I was sick. And, and now it's like, oh yeah, I get, like I get to run with that joy because all of these lessons have led me to here and yeah all of that experience led me to here and it was so funny because i have some pretty decent scars on my stomach and literally like two nights ago my husband said hey they have this great program at the hospital that you can get these scars removed if you want to would you ever want to do that and i it took me a second to say no oh, i love my scars they're like they're so much a part of who i am and he was like, yeah, that makes total sense. Like, they're super cool. And it's not that he was, he wasn't saying, like, oh, you need to get rid of them. He was just giving me the option because right. they are quite big. Um, and it it was, like, not a question in my mind. Like, of, of course, like, they're there. They represent me getting to live. Like, Yes. It's so cool. They can do surgery like
0: that. <laughs> right. Right. You, you you fully accept it. I mean, it had been a th- one of those moments where you can now say, okay, I've ex- I I accept what happened to me. I accept what it did to me. I accept what it what it gave me the the determination to do and how it how it how it helped me grow as a person. These are beautiful badges of the journey. And yeah, I mean if you'd been like, oh yeah, I gotta get rid of these things, it would almost have been like you're still running from that trauma. Yeah. Man, you got it together. You need to write a book or something. You may need to be the running therapist. You may need to start a podcast where you have people on and you try to figure out what they're really running from. That could be your thing. What are you running from with Alyssa Clark? You get everybody gets you a half hour or an hour and you figure out what their problems are.
1: That would be pretty that would be pretty pretty fun and i actually have written a book um <laughs> it's just sitting in google docs uh i don't i so back during covid i decided to run a marathon and then run a lot more yeah um so i i did the 95 marathons in 95 days and so i i did write a book kind of about that and about um which man if you want a big aerobic base just run a marathon every day and you will be good to go for a while just
0: get- <laughs> that's free coaching I mean, advice everybody <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> no please don't do that please don't do that except um i was just listening to um andrew who is freaking champion
0: oh um, andrew glaze
1: yes. yes oh my gosh i was like i'm a chump
0: you know, what I love about Andrew Glaze, it, first of all, nice guy. And what what he's an am- so nice. amazing athlete. What a giving athlete. Just a real nice guy. Talk about motivation from not a standpoint of, of this alpha male macho. I'm going to show you how awesome I am. But this motivation of you can do this too. I mean, he's just this great motivator. He's the only guest I've ever had that continues to like people posts that i post on instagram that have nothing to do with him. that's like every time i post on instagram andrew glaze liked your post i'm like andrew you don't have to like him anymore your your episodes already dropped you know you know but that's just who he is you know i I love it i love i love seeing his stuff all the time but yeah he's a he's a monster to run a hundred i mean like 100 miles is a light week for him he's doing like 115 and 140 pretty consistently
1: yeah no it's uh i mean i'm friends with candace too and holy cow it's just like the the perception of human limits is Mm -hmm. so much different than we ever anticipated
0: oh and what she's done so cool and what she's done has been amazing yeah you know it's it, it's it's so funny too that you know she does this and i th- i hope people look at what candace did even look at what you did with the with the 90 plus marathons or, or... it
1: seems so lame now I'm like <laughs> come on let try a little harder
0: <laughs> no i know i know it's so funny because you're right you're like yeah you, you, what candace <laughs> like, did it's rubbing. like it, everything looks small now you're like oh god man what i'd have to do to get attention <laughs> now <laughs>
1: yeah, I know. I'm like, oh, I just did 95. Okay, I'll just, right. You know, go over here. Yeah, right. it's So impressive. I mean, it's amazing. I like. I'm so. That's, but that's why we do it. Because then you see someone else, and you're like, mm-hmm. who the who the that was possible? And then someone else and i mean just like i see it in so many ways we're like how fast can we run 100 miles like the times people are putting up yes how many consecutive days like there's just so much to I, i that's what i think i love about ultra running too is like there's so much to explore and there's so many niches of places you can be really good which i think is i think andrew's kind of point too. i mean he's he doesn't like like he calls himself average which i'm like
0: he's not average andrew i'm sorry if you're listening to this one i don't know if you just like my posts on instagram or if you're still listening to the podcast but you are not average you are exceptional andrew you are a wonderful human being and exceptional
1: but i think it's so cool it's like you know camille has she's amazing Mm -hmm. at what she does but then, then courtney's amazing at what she does in like you know, there's a lot of crossover, but there's also like so much room for people to find their what they're passionate about and be good at it and be proud of it. And I think that's phenomenal. And I think that's what's so fun is that there's such range within this one umbrella of a sport. It also makes it really complicated to explain to people and they're like, it's <laughs> you're like, whoa. Well, sit down, That's gonna yeah, take a while that's complicated but it's like i think it's so cool when i see my fast road friends and they're like they can run you know 100 miles in 13 hours i'm like how the heck do you do that and then you get you know the technical mountain specialist and you see them sprinting down Mm -hmm. the side of a mountain passing the mountain goat you're like that's super cool so it's just it's incredible the the space that we're given to play and to discover ourselves in
0: you know, I, I love your attitude towards it in and, in and, and and just appreciating all of the amazing aspects of what people are doing. Cuz one thing you notice in an American society is obsessed with this of putting things against each other, right? Where someone does something someone has to point out that someone else has done it better or someone else has done it longer or someone else has done it this way or someone else has done it that way i saw a, a very interesting article because up until when when candace had completed like she hasn't she she got the world record when she was done right but the woman so
1: she, yeah so it still has to, like yes you still have to submit all the data yeah. which is so, so annoying
0: I think Runner's World did a story about about uh, another woman who has who had the record up until Candace broke it and it was a woman who I think she did she took like all of her paid vacation it was like 30 days time off of work and she ran an ultra each one of those 30 days and that was the world record before Candace. and so that post came online just talking about this wonderful accomplishment that this woman had done. All the comments were in the comment section turned into people yelling back and forth about Candace and this woman and who is better. Well, why can't they both be awesome? Why can't the, the woman who gave all of her time off to try something amazing be celebrated just as much as the amazing accomplishment that that candace had done i think people sometimes think that there's a limited amount of success and we, and, and we just can't we can't celebrate that success because that'll take from the success jar we've only got a certain amount of success left i saw it was an it was an interview an old interview clip with marlon brando who you know the old the, the actor and he hated when people would say how does it feel to be known as the greatest actor and he said something like this is a great sickness of america People have to compare. What does great mean? You know, he's like, do you know who the great actor is? The people that have to go to work every day and pretend they like their jobs. Everybody right. Everybody is good at something. Everybody is 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 worthy of praise or 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 celebration for something, but yet we put some things on pedestals more than another. But the the joy that you have, you can sense it. You don't look at it that way. And I love that. I love that you can look at who's better? It doesn't matter because this person's good at this and this person's good at that and this person just did that. That's a beautiful way to look at it.
1: Thank you. I I do think coaching helps with that because when I have an athlete come to me, a lot of times, especially if they're a runner, they're like, oh, well, you know, I'll never do this or you've done this and I'm like, why are we talking about me? Like, there's nothing to do with me. Like, let's celebrate what you're doing and Mm -hmm. celebrate your achievements or they'll be like oh i just want to do this i'm like why are you know don't why just right you know you want to do this and that's freaking cool let's do it or they'll say like oh i don't know if i'm i've literally had people say i don't know if i'm worthy of coaching not just like me coaching them but like worthy of coaching in journaling you're like worthy of coaching <laughs> what right um or like you know it's just it's so so i think that that has helped me to gain so much perspective about how we celebrate each other mm-hmm. and by celebrating each other we grow and i think that the the marathon record taught me that pretty quickly because yeah. i it's like a record's never yours it's it's meant to be a standard but it's not yours to possess and i definitely when i first started seeing people go after i was like (gasps) right oh my gosh and then i realized it was like but their success has nothing to do with me it actually shows like especially how freaking awesome women are at endurance sports like it's so cool and so it's like i'm so thankful that We're like so many people are going after these records and are going after these distances and believing they can do it because it's like, wow, that's so cool. Like that takes nothing away from what I did. It's just it's like if you can't be sad about it, if it was never yours to own.
0: Right. It's it's the illusion of permanence. Right. It's like. This thing that you're holding on to, this record's going to last forever. No, there is not a single thing in existence that lasts forever. And the second you realize that, a lot of those things go away of clinging to something that is never going to last anyway.
1: Yeah. And also, I mean, we all die. So, like... That's the truth. No one's going to care about you in a little bit. (laughs)
0: Right. (laughs) right, Exactly. In a hundred years, no one's going to remember that crap anyway.
1: Yeah. And also, I mean, just... Like when uh, it's such a silly thing. Like it's all so silly. Mm-hmm. I mean, ultra running. I I mean, I've literally shaped my life and career around it. But it's yeah. just such a silly sport. And it is. I think if you if you don't acknowledge the silliness of it, you lose. You become too serious, and I think seriousness can be the detriment of joy and fun. Where I, it's like yeah, yeah.
0: That must be step two to finding the joy of Alyssa Clark. You got to identify what's holding you back. And step two is just realize the absurdity of it all. Just realize the ridiculousness of it and just embrace it.
1: Yeah. Own it. I mean, yeah, I... It's just, it's it's too fun. It's too silly. It's too ridiculous. Like, no one's doing it because they're completely like, Sane. (laughs) (laughs)
0: we're all we're all messed up human beings running away from something
1: (laughs) well we just well it's like everyone finds their own their own way to uh channel our insanity and we just happen to to run a lot of it off (laughs) other people crossfit you know it's just like you choose your your way of insanity to to channel it because none of it makes sense i mean i think you know it just with with the marathons and during covid, it was just like, "Oh, I just wanted to get tired. like I just right. wanted something to make my brain stop running ten thousand miles an hour, and by running twenty six point two ish miles, that slowed it down um but yeah, it's just, yeah, gotta have fun with
0: it that you do um. This has been such a great chat. I had so many, I have a list of questions. I got to two. And <laughs> there's, so, there's so many places I wanted to go, but this went in such a beautiful direction that I didn't anticipate. This, was been, this has been just a fun chat. Thank you for this beautiful gift of the last hour of just talking about just the mental space and the joy. And that's, it's just been amazing. Thank you for this.
1: Well, thank you oh you're you're so much fun to talk to i uh yeah i really hope i can catch you up at a race or you know have another time because i think we should go on a run and have a chat
0: i'd love to you know we have to have another but why don't we do another episode at some point where we can talk about the other side of coaching because i wanted to talk to you about like like because you're really good at hills and that's something you, you excel at in coaching and i know that running up and down hills is not easy for everybody um those are a big list of questions i did not get to so next time let's let's talk like let's talk some running stuff
1: yeah i know we really, <laughs> really didn't what's so funny is i will say that i that's in yeah i used to think i sucked at hills i was like oh, i'm so bad at climbing and all that stuff so that's something i've had to work on um but yeah i do love them i love mountains
0: mm-hmm. and then the I next episode the we're gonna yeah. tease everybody the next time Alyssa's on we're talking mountains everybody oh uh, <laughs> yeah it's coming wow <laughs> wow